I'm all right. You all right? Good, good. This is a little bit unusual for us. Normally we have one preacher at a time. Um, there's, three, there's three of us going to preach today. Um, I don't know what's so funny. I'm just going to soldier on. Okay, why these seats? We got these... Hold on. We got these from a shop called um, Elder Outlet Centre. And uh, it's the cheap stuff uh, for elders. No, um, we thought that... The reason why we wanted the three of us to be up here at the front was because we wanted to visibly demonstrate something that is now true, which is that under... Jesus' headship and leadership, um, the three of us are leading the church forward now. So well, that's different to really what it was in the sense that we had a broader leadership team up to this point. Which, but, but really, I guess at the end of the day, the key decisions would sit with me, was that's changed now. So we just wanted a way of actually visibly kind of demonstrating that. And obviously these guys will be, we're all going to take turns and rotate a bit with the preachers. So... And the, the, the why stools, not chairs? Just because we thought if we sat down, you might not see us. So uh, that's why, really. But nothing more to it than that. Um, and there's no comment on anyone's height there, all right? There's no, no comment on any, anyone's... Yeah. Someone said Steph, to me, Steph, why was it that the two shortest guys got through? Is it that you wanted to sort of feel tall or something? I was like, no, there was, that was nothing to do with it. Okay. <laughs> I can see what kind of atmosphere it's going to be tonight, so it's nice. There's a nice bit of rapport going. These boys still think they're at the comedy club from their uh, stag day. So anyway, but I'm going to just soldier on. Um, I want you to have two things in your mind as, um, as we um, speak today about vision. That's what today is, Vision Sunday, and we're going to be speaking about where we feel God is leading us for this next season and the, um, the relevant uh, changes and things worth saying. So if you're a guest, it's going to kind of be like a bit unusual. Normally we would um, preach expository out of the text and just blast it on the, on the Bible text for the day. Um, today it's a little bit different. We're going to obviously root it scripturally, but really we'll be just speaking about what we feel the Lord's been speaking to us about in terms of direction. Have in mind that the Lord wants us to be fruitful. Jesus said it glorifies the Father that you bear much fruit. Okay? He says it really does. It glorifies the Father and it proves you really are disciples. So it's God's plan for us to bear fruit. Jesus also said that the Father is the vine dresser. So he, 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 I guess, symbolically speaking, he would come along, Jesus said, and find those uh, vines that are bearing fruit and would prune them back so that they might bear more fruit. Now, if you've ever seen a, a vine being pruned before, it's almost pruned back to its stump. I mean, you look at it and you think, what could ever grow from that? Um, but what does grow is more fruit than before. And it's, I think on reflection, we would all say, honestly, that last year was a bit of a pruning back for us, probably as a church. Um, and um, praise God we held our ground and you know, nothing went wrong corporately, but it w- I wouldn't say it was a year of great advance and pushing forward. It was more a year of figuring out how to do things well while, while the pastor's wife had cancer. I mean, you know, and praise God, I think we did that. Brilliant, you know. But I think it did feel a little bit like a bit of a pruning back. Whereas I think we can realistically expect more growth than ever. I, think, I don't think that's pipe. I think that's what Jesus said. The Father looks for fruitful branches, prunes them back so that they might bear more fruit. So I want you to have in your mind tonight this whole understanding that the Lord wants us to bear more fruit than ever before. Um, The second thing is that um, we live in a fast-changing world. And in order to reach it well, we need to learn how to um, change quickly. 
in the areas where we need to change in order to be more effective, whilst holding firmly to the things that will never change. So we'll never change on the Bible as the, uh, God's word and as heaven authority. We'll never change on the gospel as Jesus being Lord. We'll never change on the presence of the Holy Spirit, his fruit, his gifts. We'll never change on loving one another and fellowshipping together. And we'll never change on those things, never change on the church as, uh, as, the, as the bride of God's son and uh, glorious church. We'll never change on an, uh, on an ever-advancing, increasing kingdom. These things do not change. Amen? Amen. Okay? Everything else is up for grabs. Everything else is always up for grabs. Nothing else is sacred, providing it helps us do what is sacred, which is follow the Lord. Okay? That's the thing that we say. That's what we've got to follow, the presence of the Lord. We've got to follow his leading. So please have these two things in mind as we, as we speak. So I'm going to pray, then I'm going to launch into the first part. Father, we just thank you for even the buzz here tonight. Thank you for this great uh, time together. Thank you for this brilliant congregation of people that you've gathered together. And uh, we just say, Lord, we're, th we're, we're thrilled with what you've done with us over the years, with what's been uh, built and accomplished by your amazing grace. And we pray, God, take us, take us to the next step, into the next season. And may, may these things we present tonight genuinely have come from your heart, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so now, just to, sort of, just to say, the Christian life is a life of faith. And the way the life of faith works is it, 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 it takes the promises of God and then gathers all possible resources into um, following him for the fulfillment of those promises. So you see with Abraham, God makes him promises, and he just, his whole life is shaped and directed by those promises. It's different from a law life. A, a life based on the law is like, oh, God says, don't do this, do do that. And it's basically a life of just really what shapes the life is trying not to do certain things and making, your, you, making sure you do certain things. Now, although following the law definitely involves not doing certain things and doing certain things, that's not fundamentally what shapes it. Following the Lord is primarily shaped by faith, which is, Lord, what have you said you want to do? We are going to charge full steam into everything you've promised. It's much more dynamic than a law life. It's like Abraham. That's the, that's the picture. And so I want to just look for a few minutes at what has God promised? Well, obviously, scripturally, he's promised some amazing things. And we know that God's definitely promised those. Okay? They have to weigh them. Okay? They're in the word. God has said them. We know that as we preach the gospel under the Spirit's anointing, God will do some amazing things. He will take those who previously had broken hearts, that is, they couldn't even manage their own lives, and he'll make them into oaks of righteousness, which means they'll be able to provide shade for others. What a picture. And we've seen God do that. I mean, Adrian Hoskins is an example, uh, which is a real example of just God's incredible transforming power. And many others, and Lucy testified the other week, and other God is doing this stuff with us, and we praise him and thank him for that. Jesus promised he will build his church. We've just got to make sure that it remains his, and we don't take it into our own hands and try and make it our own, okay? Because he will build his church. He promised that, he'll do it. He's promised that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, in the same way the waters cover the sea. That means totally. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That the kingdom, which started off like a little stone, 12 guys, will become like a mountain that fills the whole earth. Yeah? That's what God's promised. We believe that. We're convinced of that. What's he said prophetically over us as a church? What specific things has he spoken that will be known for, the, for love and for the prophetic and for the miraculous? That's what he's spoken. That we're known for those things. And I think I've always been encouraged on the love front. I thought, yeah, I think by God's grace, he's really helped us there. But I've always been slightly sense of, well, God, there are a few prophecies that 
happen, but I'd love more, you know, and, and more miracles, and thank God for the, for, for, for the miracles. But I was in a meeting the other night, and there's only a small meeting, six of us, but two of the guys there said that their first visit to Revelation, they were both prophesied into so incredibly that the prophetic word came for them. It was so direct. I thought, wow, maybe there's, maybe, maybe there's a greater thing going on prophetically than even I realized. I would be interested. Who of you would say that through, through being around us as a church, you've been touched either miraculously in some way, healing or something like that, uh, or mirac- some miraculous thing's gone on, or a direct prophetic word for yourself. Just raise your hand up if, that is, if that's you. Nice and high so we can just see. Great, praise God. So I imagine a lot of the guests wouldn't have put their hands up, although you might do by the end of the evening. But probably about, about three quarters of our people. That's brilliant. So I'm encouraged, praise God. But we want more, right? Yeah, we want more, absolutely. It's not like, oh, we can put off the gas then. Oh, no, harder on the gas, okay? But God is doing some stuff there, which is, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, God spoke about, he would unlock, he would give us bridges into communities, and we would serve those communities and reach them, and we would end up doing things which would even make the government sit up and take notice. He promised that. And um, we're going to look at that and unpack that one a little bit more um, tonight. God spoke about... Prophesied over me publicly one Sunday, a lady who hadn't been around for long, she said, God's given you keys. And, I, and she said, as you go lower, God will take you higher. And it was about really serving those parts of society that really seemed the most neglected. And I thought, God, what are these keys? But I feel like, praise God, even internally in my spirit, the last few weeks, it's just started to unlock. We, I, was with, um, I was with the guy who runs our morning venue, Terry, the other week, and he spoke about a woman who works next door to them. And she oversees the whole of kind of... Um, care for those who have suffered domestic violence in London. As he spoke it, I thought, I need to contact her. I just need to contact her. So I contacted her. So I'd love to meet with you. So we've got a meeting in, um, I think, about two weeks' time. But then this Friday, myself, Simon, Richard, and Foxy, we met with the chief superintendent of um, Camden Police. So he's a guy who's in charge of the whole of Camden Police. He's a born-again, spirit-filled, mighty man of God. He's very, very encouraging. So sat in his office praying and prophesying over each other and all that. I mean, it's wild. It really was something. It really was some amazing thing. Um, and, uh, and we said, look, what are the needs? What are the big ones? You know, and he just named three of the things. And he said, the second one, he said, I would say it's domestic violence. It's just terrible in the borough. And, I said, and, um, and the woman, and, and, and the woman who, who, this woman I was referring to, she's now based actually at that same police station. So I'm meeting her in a week or so's time. And I feel God's, God is beginning to... He's beginning to open things up for us. And who knows how we can serve in that area. But I'm sure it would be beautiful when God reveals it. God's spoken about the cave of Adullam in the Bible. It's where King David, before he was king and was being chased by Saul, he stayed there for a while. And all those who were distressed, in debt and discontented came and joined him. (laughs) You think, oh great, you know. But then you read about these mighty men, these mighty army. Because under the anointing there, that's what they became. And um, we've had many numbers of people come and join us, bruised beaten up, you know, real tough, tough situations of either, either church has gone wrong or, you know, just life's been terrible and we've seen them get restored and, and doing mighty things for God now. So we sp- I want you to understand these are not just promises that hang in the air and might happen one day. We're walking in it, okay? God's beginning to fulfill these things. God prophesied recently about bringing loads of care professionals to the church, loads of those in different positions in the, in, in, in the care world, you know, social care hospitals, doctors, etc. And we just say, bring it on. Prophesy that it will be up, it, the church will be a place of care for them and a place where they can express their mercy gift from God. Over the last couple of years, two people, uh, Julian Adams and a guy called Phil Wilfie, have both totally independently prophesied over me, you're going to start an urban church planting school. 
and you're going to you're going to equip people that wouldn't normally ever be able to plant a church that people will be overlooked god's going to give you a grace to train them and raise them up to plant churches in cities it's great that's not started yet but i'm believing god and they used exactly the same phrase it was bizarre i thought man have they been talking and it's amazing but it's god it's god speaking underlining it remember that amazing word i got about students when uh, when we first started the church i thought i don't want any students that's what i thought i don't want any i did that's what i thought i don't, I don't like them you know that's what i thought seriously and god's so i like i love you now I love you now. <laughs> God's changed my heart. I'll tell you the story. It was amazing. Many of you know the story, but it really was a funny one. I was, having a ch- I was having a conversation with someone, and I just said in conversation, you know, he'd just finished his degree. I said, oh, yeah. I said, I did it. I did a degree for a year, but I gave up. I don't know what was going on there. Within two minutes, a prophet came up to me who hadn't even heard the conversation. He said, just because you gave up, on, uh, gave up as a student, don't give up on students. He knew nothing of my background. So God's going to give you a load of students. You're going you're to equip them. You're going to send them out to the nations. And that's, uh, from that point on, my whole mentality changed, <laughs> as you can imagine. Praise God for the students. So, you know, you know we're probably about 35 40% students. Um, uh, you know, we're not proud of this fact, but we haven't done any intentional outreach on any campuses either. You know, so God's just gathered people. So God's, God's doing it. I want you to understand. It's not just, oh, these are nice ideas. No, things that God has spoken and that God is doing. Julian prophesied over us about two days before we launched in the school. He said, you're going to have an apostolic foundation, which means, uh, apostolic means sending. You're going to send people. I'm thinking, we haven't even started yet. We thought, I don't know how this is going to happen. And then about, uh, I think about a year later, I was in Sainsbury's, my phone went, and it was Kevin Riley saying, we want to go to Poland, and we want to join you so that you can send us. I was like, okay. So that's how that started. I was in Sainsbury's on the mobile phone with him, and he joined us for four or five months as a family, and now we sent them, and then when they went, what now? Matt Med says, can we meet for coffee? Yeah, sure, what is it? I've been called to Latvia, where you send, I wanna, but I want to come to be with you for two years first and send us. Okay, great, we'll do that. And then Esther comes, oh, I've had this call, you know, for, since I was 14, bubbling away, I think now's the time, and now we're sending her in two weeks' time. I mean, just God's doing it. God's fulfilling what he's promised. I mean, you just got to see it because it fills you with faith for other things he said. Do you see what I mean? It, you spring off of that and you think, oh, yeah, God is actually doing this stuff. It's very, very um, exciting. Um, so praise God, all of this is happening. And we believe that now's the time to really look at this whole thing of ba- building bridges into communities. We've prayed into it a lot, but now we've got to start, right, how do we actually do it? And I think gospel communities is the way we do it. Um, many of you will know we're this year transitioning every member will become a, a part of a gospel community which will be a community of people where we, there's uh, love for one another worship to God and prayer devotion and uh, support looking after one another but all every every community with a missional focus going for something reaching a particular um, reaching a particular people group or reaching a particular place or reaching a particular kind of people that are gathered around a passion. That's what we're going for. And we, we really mean business. We don't, we're not going to just blow the trumpets and then just kind of do it badly. We're going to go for this because we want to lay a hold of God. Yeah? It's, a, it's faith. It's not just, well, it's, it's faith. We feel God has spoken. We feel this is a way we're going to begin to get into these communities. Um, so April the 6th, gather with us in the evening because that's when we're going to draw the net tighter and take the next step into establishing what few we're going to start. We're looking to start our first ones in April and, April and May, hopefully. So, and we want to we throw our best people resources into it as well in terms of gifting and leadership. So that's very, very exciting. Now, in light of this, I've begun to hear from God while we're planning these gospel communities, I've begun to feel what I can only describe as a lack of peace and an unrest 
in my heart, which is often how God speaks to me about things. When things have to change, I don't, I'm not a strategist, so I can't make a plan and then say, and then in a year down the line, I'm going to have to change this, and then I'm going to have to change that, because I don't see it. It's not, uh, I don't have that gift, okay? But I know when God, I know, but the way, but the way God does speak to me is that I'll just get the sense in my spirit something's going to have to change. So a few months ago, when we started planning gospel communities as a leadership team, we decided, yeah, we're going to go for this. I started having a lack of peace about Sunday. I just thought something's, and I thought it's, it's kind of to do with a few things. I knew that one of it was to do with people resources, the amount of work Sundays takes, and how's that going to work, and are we going to just kill people? And it was all batting around. And so I took it to the leadership team, and um, my initial response was, I said, guys, I think we need to just go back to, go back to one on a Sunday. That was my initial suggestion, I thought, you know. And, um, and three objections were raised, which I thought at the time were, I thought they were good objections. The three objections were this. It was um, too much change in one go. So it's the whole thing's out of tens into gospel communities. And that as well, it's just too much change, number one. Number two, they would seem to work against prophecies. It seemed to work against what actually what God had spoken. Um, so there was that. And then the third one was people have really emotionally invested into these two congregations. And I thought, you know what? All those objections are totally valid and totally right. So I was like, yeah, guys, I think, you know, you're right. And so they're saying, but you, you, I thought you heard God. And I said, oh, I just, I know something's got to change. But, you know, it was just what I suggested. And so we, we batted things around, some ideas we looked at. Maybe we should do two together, but in the afternoon, back to back, because then it would be just one set up and one set down, just one band. And people resources was just be spared a bit because that was part of it. And also we wanted also to pull this one slightly earlier um, so that you guys could obviously do more community afterwards. And also so that maybe over time some families could join and just widen out the diversity a bit and make sure we're not building a monoculture here because we don't, we, you know, the church isn't a monoculture, is it? It's, it should be all sorts. So that's what we were hoping. But as we looked at that, we just thought this isn't working either. It's just... We sort of, it just feels like a real halfway house. It's not really working. And, and we had a few meetings, and we batted it around, and we didn't really get anywhere, to be honest with you. And I was, so I was left just feeling the same, like, God. So I went back to prayer, and um, I was like, God, you've just got to show us what is this I'm feeling and what's the way forward. Um, at that point, I would say that um, I got clarity on God, and I, f- I felt like it was right to go back to one in the afternoon. Or maybe I'd phrase it differently. It was right to go forward into one. But in the afternoon, not a, not a morning and not an evening. And I want to unpack to you now why I feel this is what God is saying. These guys are then going to bring in what they feel from God and some practicalities. Then we're going to go for some Q&A and uh, it should be fun. So as I'm praying, I'm like, God, what, what's the deal here? And, bear, you know, I'm not a strategist. I'm, I'm a pastor, really. And so, you know, I'm thinking, I don't want to upset anyone. You know, God, what's going on? You know, what's, what's the thing? And I felt just God, just give me an image. It wasn't an amazing prophecy, but it was an, just an image, a picture, if you like, an allegory of like an, an invading army. And if you imagine like a D-Day or something, so an army lands on this place it's going to invade, and then they say, we've got to take that town. How do we do it? And what's decided is the best way to take that town is by pincer movement, east and west, split into two, pincer. So they do it, and it, and it works, and they get that town. They then say, now we've got to get that town. What are we going to do? And they look at it, and they say, it's a totally different town. The same strategy won't work. It's not going to work. What we've got to do instead is break off into much smaller groups and hit it from all kinds of angles. Now, at that point, imagine if some of the guys said, yeah, but you know what? We loved it. We loved it when we did it in two last time. We had so much fun. We, you know, there was such a camaraderie. And this. What would the general say? The general would say, I appreciate that. And I'm glad you enjoyed it. 
but we've got to take that town. And that ain't going to work for that. And for me, that it just personally, I found that so helpful because I felt what God was saying through it was this. It's not too much change. Going into gospel communities and doing this are, are the same thing. It's, it's, it's part of one thing. And I felt the part of the one thing is, is it's about releasing resources. Up to now, we've been very heavy on a Sunday, and it's been fine. We've found community on a Sunday. We've found celebration on a Sunday. We've found prayer on a Sunday, okay? And it's been great. We're in a new season now where we're going to fully launch our best faith efforts into these gospel communities because we believe God's going to do incredible things through them. Um, as such, when you, when you do that, something's got to give. Something has to give. Um, otherwise, we'll kill you over time. You'll just, you'll just be worn out. And so Sunday will probably feel a bit more like celebration, where we just gather, celebrate, are equipped to go. Um, not that you can't do brunch before. Of course you can. Not that you can't go out afterwards. Of course you can. Okay? But we're just going to go for a big celebration. Where probably people will be serving one in three. That's the kind of thing we're going to be going for, that kind of idea. And then be able to, people be able to give themselves and be released in terms of resources gifting to really make these gospel communities work. They're going to be team-led, minimum three people leading the gospel community. We need leaders, we need people with energy, with gifting. We need to resource that. So I felt that that was kind of cool. The, the th one thing hanging there is the prophetic thing. But what Because God said two things. Number one, God spoke through someone. He said to me, when I was seeking about, do we go to two? God says, God says to you, he's doing two things. So I pondered that, Lord, what's the deal there? And I feel like it's kind of like, yeah, he was, and it's worked amazingly. The church has doubled in size. It's been outstanding. But it's a bit like when David was about to attack a city, and God said to him, don't go straight away. Wait till you hear marching in the trees. Then, when you hear that, then you go, because I've given you, I've, I've gone before you. The thing was, see, David did it, and it worked. But then what you don't find through the rest of Samuel is David waiting by the trees. I can't go. There's no marching. No, it was a prophetic word for then. It was a word for the moment, and, it, and that's what it was for. It wasn't... It wasn't David's life. David never went anywhere unless he heard marching. So, yeah. No, it was for that moment. And I feel that's what the world was for. Happy with that? Julian prophesied over us something more significant. He said, you will be able to plant congregations under one eldership around London, and that will be something you're going to pioneer. So that's a, that's a different kind of a word. How do we handle that? I'm still totally happy to receive that as a prophecy. Because what we're doing now is not sacred. I think it works for the next phase. So don't think this is it now. Well, it is it now. <laughs> but don't assume this is now it. In two years' time, what's sacred is following the Lord. Okay? What doesn't change is the gospel. And uh, we've always been amazing at handling change as a church. And I, I thank God for that. Because I think it shows our securities in Him and in the gospel. Yeah? So, so, it's really, so uh, for, for my mind anyway, all, the, all of these things work together uh, well. And, um, um, and Ted, you've been so encouraging to me. You won't even know it. But because I'm living with this, I'm living with this image in my mind of this kind of group of people on kind of like a mission, and uh, uh, and, and um, you know the strategic thing, the D-Day thing, and they're about to go out into kind of like you know sort of 12 different directions now via these gospel communities. And at our gospel community night, Ted just comes up to me and says, "I just see a picture of like a light burning bright, and I just feel God says we're about to break camp." And of course, I'm living with this whole thing of thinking it feels like we're about to break camp, you know. But I hope I'm hearing from God. So no wonder I look so happy, Ted, when you said that. I was like. <laughs> Because, you know, when you, when you leave, just so as you know, don't think that what happens in those elders' meetings, we sit around a circle, sit out a fourth chair, Gabriel comes with a golden scroll and says, here's the deal. <laughs> it's not like that. Right, it really isn't like that, okay? 
It's not an exact science. We seek God. We pray. We're like, come on, God. And sometimes you think we feel this is the right thing. And you say, God, we're going to go for this because we've got, we got more faith that it is than that it isn't. You know? And then God confirms it on the way. You think, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, God. It's, it's incredible. And even this morning, Claire Robinson came up to me afterwards and she just said, I've had this thing for months. And it came to me really even stronger this um, last Sunday when we were all together. And it was an image from the Lord of the Rings where these two armies, I think Gandalf brings a crowd and Aragorn's got a crowd. And they meet in the middle and it's like, boom, you know. And she said, oh, and I've not known what to make of it. She's obviously, if you know Claire, you know, she's very prophetic. And she said, I get what it is now. It's the two coming together. So you think, oh, hallelujah, God's confirming it. But that's kind of uh, where we're at now. And um, so obviously after I felt that, I shared it with the guys because at this point then the, the team had then shrunk and it was the three of us then. I said, guys, this is what, this is what I feel God's saying. What do you reckon? <laughs> so I turned to Angel Gabriel. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, Steph asked Rich and I to pray about this because um, I think it's important for you to know that obviously now you're – you know, Steph's been leading the church up until this point, and now the three of us are leading it together as a team. And so it was something that obviously we had to hear God on for ourselves as well um, in order to stand here in front of you all with conviction and belief that this is the way to take you forward. Um, and so um, I just wanted to share a picture that God gave me um, that hopefully will be helpful to some of you in grasping some of this as well. Um, so when I prayed, God gave me the passage from Isaiah 43:18, which says... Um, do not remember the former things, nor think of the things of old. I'm going to do a new thing, and it will spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And um, Steph was sharing earlier about the way that God speaks to him through kind of um, just getting a sense of things. And God often speaks to me through ways that um, I would understand through pictures or analogies. And um, some of you know that I shared before that um, my academic background is in geography. And um, God shared me, uh, showed me a picture um, based on Isaiah here of a picture of a river. And um, there's a bit more to it than that, so don't, don't get too worried. I just wanted to talk you through this picture. Um, and I'm going to give you a mini geography lesson as we go along because you need some understanding to be able to see why it, it kind of uh, it fitted for me. Um, one thing before I do this, I got God just giving me a sense as well to say that it would be very easy for us to say that we had a morning service and an evening service. And prior to that, we were one service and we're going back to one service. And I felt God really strongly say, we're not going back anywhere. We're going forwards. And that's the direction that we're headed. And we're keeping on going in that direction. And, um, and so it's not going to be a morning service. It's not going to be an evening service. We're replanting into a totally new service altogether. And I think that's important for you to remember that, that we are all heading in absolutely the right direction and um, we're not at all going back. In fact, this is the strategy that we feel God has given us to, to keep moving forwards. So anyway, very quickly, my picture of the river. Um, this is the geography lesson now. Um, if, you, if you think about the formation of a river journey, it starts off in the highlands in the spring, um, and it literally does uh, appear from nowhere. And at that point in the river, um, there's lots of energy. It's very life-giving. It's very fresh and full of nutrients. And um, God said to me that this was a bit like a church plant, of which we were some four years ago, where the church would suddenly just appear and spring forth out of a place, a bit like Isaiah says, in a, a place of wilderness and a dry place. A river would spring forth, and there's lots of energy and enthusiasm and passion at that point. The second stage in a river um, is where the river develops into 
channels, really, and goes through the land. And I'm going to come back to that point in a second. And then the end part of a river is something called the delta, which is where um, the river spreads out, essentially. It kind of sheds all the load that it's been carrying, and it goes into a really, really fertile plain. Um, and at the end of every single river, when it meets the sea, it ends in this period here. And God was saying to me, if you think again in terms of the journey of a church, um, the end point, the destination where we want to be, is this point whereby we're totally integrated with the community around. There's no definition between community and church or church and community. It is all one. It's this incredible fertile ground where people are coming to know the Lord and um, there's just this mass of people all coming together. And so that's, that's the end point that we're headed towards. Um, to go back to the middle part, God showed me this picture of two river channels and they were becoming one. Now, to, to understand why this is significant for me is that if you know about rivers, when they, when they do that, there's, there's the reason why they would do that is because um, the rivers would be carrying too much load or too much sediment in their, in their channels. And so when they come together, it enables the river to drop all of their load. And it, one of the marking um, characteristics then is that the river picks up velocity and it has incredible power. And God said to me that this point that we're in now is where uh, uh, up until now in two congregations, we have been carrying quite a burden um, in a good sense in that we've been building something we've been, you know, cutting through in a certain way. And um, but there's, there's people who are serving diligently and really giving themselves to the work. And um, I think it's a, a point at which now there's a there's a level of tiredness and in order to do the next stage well we need to release as Steph said release some of that um, effort so that we can refocus onto these gospel communities and some of the things that um, are going to be ahead which we'll share later so when these two channels come together it means that as a combined force it means that we can shed a lot of load and it means that we can pick up with speed and velocity and again in a river it means at that point that they have incredible a river has incredible power to overcome obstacles as well. It can literally plough through and cut its path through the land to its end point, to its destination. And so um, God just showed me this picture to say, look, we're absolutely going towards our destination. We're headed in the right way. Sometimes the river is two, sometimes it's one. And as Steph said, this may be a temporary thing for now, but in the next phase that we're in, um, we certainly feel that this is the way forward. Um, so I hope that picture was useful for you. I'm now going to hand over to Rich, who's going to talk a little bit about the practicalities of what that will look like. Brilliant. Yeah, so kind of with, with our geography lesson behind me um, and all the other prophetic words that have been coming um, and all the discussions that we've been having as a leadership, it was time to get to kind of the nitty-gritty, if you like. What was this actually going to look like practically on the ground? Um, so I began doing a little bit of a venue search um, around North London, um, we've done venue searches in the past. Um, to find somewhere, you know, where we could all meet together is, is, is a challenge in and of itself. But there were certain requirements that we wanted. One was that it had to be warm. Um, so I'm, I'm wearing a T-shirt in faith tonight. So <laughs> <laughs> um, There had to be space for us to grow because um, we, we, we believe that we're going to grow. We believe that God's going to add to us. Um, so we wanted somewhere that could accommodate us, that could accommodate the growth as well as we were moving forward. Um, and we, we, we wanted it to be fairly central as well, kind of across the north central London, um, so it was fairly accessible. It was easy for people to get to from all over the place, um, and, you know, it was easy. Um, and, yeah. So some of you may be thinking at this point, 
If you were around last Sunday, we were at the London Irish Centre for the Elder Sunday. We had a great time. We managed to fit everybody in in the afternoon. We had a, we had a ball, really. Um, and we even managed to seat everybody for pizza afterwards. Um, so why not just do it at the London Irish Centre? That would make sense. Um, it would make sense. Uh, except the London Irish Centre every month has um, an Irish dancing um, kind of jamboree, if you like, kind of in the afternoons, um, which, which has been a rolling booking for months even years for them um and so kind of we you know we we weren't top of the list if you like um so we wouldn't have been able to have the london irish center every month uh, every week um so it was it was really kind of back to square one we've got to find a new venue if we're going to do this and we believe that god's leading us into this we've got to find somewhere else um so we did a few um searches and then about three months ago steph had a prophetic word um, from s- from somebody who said to him, uh, you need to be looking for a 400-seater, um, which would be easy to think, okay, maybe that's two 200-seaters. Um, but no, it was definitely a 400-seater. And so we, we started looking for uh, venues that could accommodate us, um, which are very few and far between in North London. Um, but um, having hunted around and made some connections and um, having looked around, uh, we found Haverstock School, um, which is just the other side of Chalk Farm Station. Uh, it's literally a minute from the tube. It's on Haverstock Hill. Um, it's a fairly newly built school. The f- facilities are fantastic. Um, we went to visit it uh, probably about three weeks ago now. Um, and when we went in, there's a tiered seating um, which can fit about uh, 200 people. There's space for about another 100 chairs in the front. Um, so that's 300. If you were to get rid of the, the tiered seating and just do static ch- uh, movable chairs, um, on the floor, then you could fit about 400. Um, so kind of, we really kind of thought, okay, well, you know, maybe this is God confirming uh, this is the right place. Um, and so we, we pursued that, um, looked into a few other things. The price of the place uh, would be a dramatic uh, drop in price. So it would be about 500 pounds a week, um, which if you, if you take this cost and you take the Irish Centre um, and then kind of the storage here and uh, all of that kind of things, um, it would be about half price per week um, to move there, to join back together. Um, so financially, it makes sense. Um, location is perfect. It's Chalk Farm. It's one minute from the station. Um, it's right in a community setting. So even when we went, we went and visited it on a Saturday. And there were, I mean, there were numerous, does, I reckon probably dozens of community groups were using the facilities there. So, it, I mean, it's already a community hub. Um, so it would be really interesting to kind of get in there and be a part of that. Um, it's right in the center kind of, of um, so there's kind of lots of estates and stuff around and when we were chatting with this uh, uh, when we had this meeting with the guy at the police on Friday uh, he mentioned that one of their problem areas is Queen's Crescent and this school backs onto that estate um, and all of that surrounding area so it's a really exciting prospect um, so what are the dates for this um, well so we were so we were looking so uh Let's backtrack a little bit. So 20th of March, we're sending Esther out. Um, it'll be a final Sunday with us. Um, and we wanted to bring the two services together anyway, just to kind of have a bit of a celebration and send her well. Um, and But what we found was that the Irish Centre wasn't available in the afternoon, which is somewhere that could accommodate us. Um, so we had to start looking elsewhere anyway. Um, and we just found Haverstock School. Um, and they they were free the 20th of March. So we thought, well, why not? Let's do let, let's let's put a dry run in on the 20th of March. We'll gather together. We'll send Esther well, uh, and it will be a fantastic time. So the 20th of March, um, we'll be at Haverstock School, 
um, and we'll be starting at 3.30. So doors open at 3. If you want a cup of tea or coffee, get there at 3, and then we will start bang on 3.30. Um, so it's going to, and then from there, from there we're going to be going back into two separate congregations for the 27th um, as a final last hurrah, if you like, kind of celebration of all that God's done amongst us uh, as the two congregations and just give God thanks really for where he's brought us to um, and what he's brought us through. Um, and so then from the 3rd of April, we'll be in Haverstock School, by which time we'll have ironed out any problems, not that I'm sure there will be any. Um, but So from the 3rd of April, we'll be in there um, and uh, we'll be in there every every week from there. So that's 3 till 3.30. Um, there is the possibility of storage there as well, which would be fantastic. Um, I mean, the venue is it, the venue is great. The venue is clean. Um, it's warm. It's light. It's nice. It's new. It's it's just perfect. Um, anything you guys want to say? Um, only in terms of in term what I was saying about lightening the load a bit. This obviously means you know I don't know whether to spell it out, but in terms of setting up and packing up and moving things around. It means we'll only have to do that once. Everything will be on site. Yeah. So they'll just be so... <laughs> yes, <laughs> that in itself is a good enough reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they've got fantastic PA and all sorts of... So it, it, there's a, you know, a lot of benefits on the site as well in terms of people serving um, diligently. So thank you for those that have been <laughs> to date. Brilliant. Let's do question and answers. Sebastian. So the question is, what about people that are working on Sundays um, and how do they get connected if, obviously, if they can't make an afternoon because um, they're working, then what, what, is the, what is the solution? How are we going to serve them? Steph, do you want to pick up on that? Sure. I mean, obviously, the way we, one of the strategic reasons for doing an evening in the first place was for people that particularly were out late on a Saturday that we wanted to reach and wanted to be able to invite to church. And we felt that that holds true with the afternoon. We don't think, I think, you know, if someone wants to come to church, they can get up to be somewhere for three if they want to actually be there do you know what I mean so so I feel that that still works in terms of those people who who, who work it's tricky isn't it so um so a friend of ours used to come for a while works in Camden Market and that sort of he has to work till five or so and when you when you hit things like that you have to in terms of leadership and decisions you have to m sometimes make decisions that that benefit the majority but it's tough on a minority. And when every, when every decision you make, you recognize there will always be those who it will become slightly more difficult for. Mm. Um, and you have to recognize you don't live in an ideal world and just think, I think this is worth doing. So that would be my first comment. I think it's something we just have to say, um, for the sake of what we want to do and what we feel God's calling us to do, if we're going to do that well, I think we've got to do this. Um, we can't just have one in the evening because the families can't do that. We wouldn't just go do one in the morning again. That would be a step backwards. 
So the only time we could do one is in the afternoon. So, wha- so can someone be meaningfully involved in church who isn't around on a Sunday? I would say with the old wineskin, the old way of doing things, probably not. I think with gospel communities, yeah, they can. Not to say that Sunday becomes unimportant. Of course it doesn't. It's the only time when we all gather together. It's amazing when it's important. And if they were able to change their hours, then we'd really hope they were able to do that. But if they can't, then I think people can still definitely be a part of church because I think church is more than a once a week gathering, right? It's about sharing life together under Christ. So that's what the gospel communities will do. So that's at the moment, that's, that's what we can say. I mean, b- part of Julian's word about you'll be known for different congregations, one of the things he said was it'll be unconventional. I can see a, I can see a Saturday night. And, you know, I think there's always scope for these things. We never, we never say never, but I think we're just saying that's the next step for now. Ollie. One of the things I would say, first of all, is no one's going to leave their tens until they're in a gospel community. Mm. So we're not just stopping <coughs> tens now and then, you know, find a gospel community in the next six months. It's going to be phased out and phased in. So when you find a gospel community, you leave your ten at that point. So in terms of connectability, that's, that's how that will go on. Obviously, um, although it will be a lighter load on Sunday, we'll need slightly larger teams. So in terms of welcome teams on Sunday, that will have to increase in size and stuff like that. So, you know, we just need to be on it, sharp and well. Um, It's almost two questions. One is connecting, one's pastoral. And I think they're different things. So connecting, a bigger team on a Sunday, people don't leave their tents until they've found a gospel community. I think pastoral, it, it shouldn't really change things that much from the point of view that if someone's connected and the pastoral issue comes up, we've got a pastoral team. So I think within a lot of change, structurally, I don't think relationally it should be that um, obtrusive. I think the feel and vibe will be, so to gather in a congregation of 60 or 70 like this on a Sunday will feel different from 150. It will. Um, I, I totally get that. Um, I d- I and I think if we weren't developing gospel communities, that would be a problem. But I think we're saying what you find here, smallness, community-wise, over the next year, hopefully you will find it there. Yeah, as as these things develop, and for a while, you know, we just y- y- you have to just move into that. I mean, that's my comments. I hope that helps. Um, I was just going to say, in terms of connecting, there shouldn't really be any point at which anybody has hasn't got a point of connection because of the transition from tens to gospel communities. We're going to make sure that that's very clearly communicated so it's not that anyone's going to be in limbo between the two there should either be one in one or the other so they should always have that connection and secondly in terms of the timings of the service one thing that the morning people always say is that you know there's not time to really chat because we've got to get out of the venue and everyone's got to go then go off for lunch and likewise for you guys there's never really time afterwards well in the previous time because people had to go off for work and so this afternoon service just permits a lot more um, impromptu and planned um, connections before and after the service. So we're hoping that will 
make a big difference in terms of people meeting up and community. Um, within the school as well, we've got the venue actually from uh, 2 till 7? Two, two till 7. So the service will probably approximately last from 3.30 to 5.30. So it means there's going to be some you know, meaningful time to be able to connect with people both before and afterwards. And the school has got... Pretty w uh, w by the time we finish our service, we'll be pretty much the only ones in the school. So we'll, we've got a fantastic space to be able to use um, where we can have drinks and there's seating and there's an outside bit for the summer that's totally enclosed, so it's not open to public. So there's um, some good um, facilities there to help foster more connections. Yeah, go on. There is a football pitch. We'll have to find out for you. <laughs> Dave. What are you saying? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, I think the way we've had, it's something we've obviously spoken about and been aware of. I think it's, you have to come back to that thing where you say to yourself, style and vibe are great, but they're not why any of us came here and not what we're here for. We're here for the kingdom and for love. So as long as we put the first things first, I think the second things shake down and shake down well. So I think it's about putting first things first and not worrying because it's, it, the Bible says it's the love that's the glue that holds us together and to just focus strongly on that. And I, So in terms of have we thought through therefore what kind of vibe it will be? No, but we really want it to be a place of massive manifest presence of God. Yeah. We want to see the kingdom break out. We want to see, you know, increasingly, you know, the homeless and people from gospel communities reaching out to there among us. We, wanna, we just want it to be a place of God's kingdom. And I think if, if, we, if, if every time we gather, people are getting saved, people are getting healed, people's lives are getting prophesied into, we'll probably all come away happy, right? Do you see what I mean? So I think we're just trying to, trying to keep the first things first and trust in that, um, that as everyone brings their contribution, it will find its flavor. Um, to be honest, in terms of the evening venue, we never have really, really long conversations about, you know, we, we did the sweets thing and the lights, and I think that's great, and that's cool, and, you know, we can talk about that. But I think there was always a sense of God's spoken, so we're going to do it, you know? Mm. And so I guess, but thoughts welcome. Thoughts very, very welcome. It would be great. Um, I'd only add to that from the passage from Isaiah that I read out before, that I think we just have to be focused together on not, you know, not thinking of the things that have happened up to date, you know, put that behind. God's doing a new thing. Yeah. And um, I personally think there's a bit of excitement in not knowing the answer to that question. Um, as Steph said, we are all collectively... Um, focused on what we do want. We know what we're trying to achieve in terms of the purpose that Jesus has for his kingdom and we know what God's given us around reaching the communities and I think that is the drawing factor between us and uh, who knows what it will look like when we all come together but I'm, I'm quite excited about to see what that does look like. Emily.
what about new people coming in? Where do they go? Gospel communities and tens, is that it? And generally, how do they connect in with... Okay, yeah, so they can't join gospel communities because we don't have any yet. Um, but as of May, uh, we're at the May family meeting. We are hoping to launch um, one or two gospel communities. And from there, we hope that it will gather momentum um, and, and snowball, really. Um, so I think I, I think within the, the current 10 structure, um, there is probably capacity a little bit to pick up for the next couple of months, um, but it will be a phasing out of the 10s and phasing in of the gospel communities. So I think practically it will have to look like that over this next year. Um, and I think we've, e- even in our discussion, that's kind of, we, we know that it's going to have to be a phasing in and a phasing out. Um, but obviously, I mean, obviously connecting thing is a big thing. I mean, we've we've generally been quite good in terms of organically connecting with people um, and the integration team have done a fantastic job in Amen. connecting people. I've got some <laughs> you've got a loyal supporter That wasn't here. God, it was oh Steph. Man. There we go. I, you know, I mean, the, the integration team are fantastic in terms of spending time actually connecting with people and then connecting them into other people and other avenues in the church, into tens and with other people. Um, and so I think that, like, in terms of what, the integration team do they will continue to do that um, but it will probably happen more organically so as these gospel communities evolve um, they'll probably introduce some of those ideas uh, to people when they're thinking about you know who they wanted to get connected with and who they you know so you could be almost paired up with somebody that was about to start a gospel community you know I mean you can see that kind of happening as it's phased out and in if you like um, over a period of time. Yeah, so basically, Emily, you and the integration team are the answer, <laughs> <laughs> and you are the plan. Dave. Can I just make a comment on time and timekeeping? Um, we are bad. As a conference band? Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> we are. I'd love to stand. Thank you. It's getting too comfortable there. Uh, uh, as, a, as, a, as a church, it's, it's a weakness for us. Um, we've got a load of strengths, but this is, a, this is an area of weakness. And in this new, in this new place, the door, we're gonna, refreshments will be served from 3. At 3.25, all refreshments will stop. If you turn up after 3.25, you won't even be able to make yourself something, okay? There's, there will be no opportunity for refreshments. At, at 3.30, we will strum that guitar and we are away, okay? And that is it. And we are not moving on that or budging on that. So I'm just going to ask you, please don't make it so that we have to do that with two people in the room. Please. You must be able to get somewhere for 3.30. Surely, you know... I, said I, was, I was even harder with the guys this morning because I think you guys are better than the morning congregation on this, okay? Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, rivalry. Oh, no, no rivalry. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it's only once a week that we gather like this. And I just want to encourage you to have, in your, have it in your mind as a, as a high calling and as a big deal. Um, and I know life happens and things come up, so please don't hear what I'm not saying. I know things come up. I know buses don't come. I'm aware of that. But what I'm saying is, as far as it depends on you, please give it your best shot to get there for around 3, 3.15, have a drink with someone, say hi, and then be there on the front foot so we can really launch and get the most out of our time together. Is that okay? 
I just want to ask you to do that. We don't want to nag, but we just want to say, I think it could really help us. Um, and I think, I think there is an element to which, if we do it as well as it, we can, in terms of how it depends on us, it is honouring to God. I think there is, there is a worship element to it. And we'll just ask you to ha- have that in your heart and, and, and give that thought and don't just kind of rock up because we're, we're coming to the presence of the King. Yeah, so just to have that, that will really, really help us. Okay. Um. So um, we wanted to just end on bringing a bit more um, clarification around some of the vision, um, specifically around our outward-looking part. I think part of what we've spoken about so far is about getting the house in order, um, and it is really so that we can then focus on um, furthering the kingdom of God outside of the walls that we happen to be meeting in at that point in, <laughs> in our journey, um, for which is going to be Haverstock Hall, Haverstock School for a while. Um, so I wanted to talk about um, our visions and dreams around the poor. Um, we met, as Steph mentioned, with the um, Chief Commissioner of Camden Police on Friday, and we were talking to him because we knew he was a born-again Christian, and that, that might be him now, actually. Um, we know who he was, and, and he's, he's really keen to partner with local churches, which in itself was exciting. And um, so we wanted to meet with him and, and ask him, you know, how can we partner with you? Our heart is to reach the community around us. And obviously, from a policing perspective, you've probably got a very good view and um, idea of what that looks like. And he just said to us, look, my advice to you is just to run. Run with whatever God has given you and go for it. And he said his dream is, you know, with the backdrop of funding cuts and all sorts of cuts going on, not just within the police force, but generally within community-based groups. He said his dream is for um, the government and for the police to turn around and take notice of the church, of what, it, of what it's doing within the community, and for them to see that the church has got something that the, you know, the government and the police have not been able to answer or respond to in in a, as meaningful way as we are able to with the gospel of Jesus Christ and um, he was just so full of vision that he saw the local churches um, having such an opportunity now to be able to meet some of the needs in the community and um, and so we're just really excited about the the culmination of the services coming together this new venue the release of focus and energy into the gospel communities so that we can really um, reach out into every area that we work in. And um, we, if we look at the life of Jesus, his ministry was certainly about the poor. And, and his category of poor was not necessarily just the financially poor, but it was the spiritually poor as well. It was those that were marginalized, those that were vulnerable, those that were lonely, those that were abused. And so there's this category. And I mean, in the Bible, there's only two categories. It's those who know the Lord and those who don't. And, um, and so we want to reach this group of people we're calling the poor, but it may be those who are poor in spirit, who don't know the Lord, and, and we reach them through um, a gospel community around the arts. It may be that we're, um, as Steph talked about, reaching some areas around domestic violence, and we have a gospel community around that. It may be that it's around youth work um, in the Queen's uh, Crescent estate that the police are particularly keen on us focusing on. Um, but we've got all these little avenues that we have available to us to be able to really um, take the gospel out into the streets and to make a difference. Um, so there's, as well as the gospel communities, which I think is a fantastic um, way of expressing that, there's a few other things I just wanted to mention. Um, one is the CAP Centre. For those of you that don't know about that, it stands for Christians Against Poverty. Um, and that is to help those who find themselves in a position of debt um, 
It's a missional tool to be able to reach out into the community to assist those who find themselves, um, for whatever reason, struggling with finances. And it means that we can go in um, firmly with the gospel ahead of us to say we're a Christian group and we can not only help you with your finances, but we can um, bring you this fantastic message of the gospel. And uh, so we've got the gospel um, the gospel centre. We've got the CAP centre um, that we've set up and um, is going to be a prominent part of the vision going forwards. Um, we are also going to be um, looking at how we use our 245 fund. Um, for those of you that don't know that, we set up a fund within the church um, that was taken from Acts 245, which is essentially looking at how we can redistribute some of the wealth that's um, collected from the body of the church and, and use it to help bring some equality um, in terms of those that are less fortunate and those that are find themselves in destitute situations. So we're going to put some focus again on how we're using that fund and we're going to have that actively administered. Um, and lastly, another, another thing that God's given us is something called a uh, food bank that we want to start. Hands up if you've heard of food bank. Mm, okay. I'll, for those of you that don't know, it's essentially, um, it's not necessarily a single organization that runs it, but we can form something called a food bank, and it acts as a bit of a conduit for food, whereby we might partner with um, food providers, such as supermarkets and shops, or maybe even farmers who grow the food themselves, or it may be that within the body, we collect um, non-perishable food, and then we redistribute that out to places that need the food. So it may be via Tom and the homeless team. It may be via a gospel communities who work with single mums who can't afford to buy their shopping every week. It may be that we work with another charity to help them um, take food to people who need it. And um, it's something that we're going to put finances and vision behind, something that we want to start in the very near future and um, that we're really excited about doing. We really believe God has said um, to start this. So as well as all the things that are going to come out of the gospel communities, there's some also very practical um, ways that we can apply the gospel and start to impact the community around us. So all of this is really going to be permissible because of the, you know, the, the changes that we've spoken about before. And um, this is the vision that we set before, is that we're keeping our minds focused on going ahead. Who am I passing to now? Steph. Okay, cool. Um, just want to very quickly on the nations, just very quickly. There's a grace on us from God to reach the nations. It just is. Um, in terms of what we've been able to do so far, it's been totally outrageous considering how old we are as a church um, and the promises we're living with. Um, Dave Nunn, who spoke last Sunday, who kind of looks after us, oversees us. He, the plan was that he would oversee us up till when we got elders. He said, look, he said, give me another year or 18 months with you. He says, because I think you've got, you've got something in you where you could become genuinely a world mission church. And he's, he spends over half his time traveling around the world um, building up churches and stuff. So he just wants a bit more time with us to really help us to get established in that. And so I want to just say, you know, if you're called to another nation, you're in the right place. We'd love to train you, equip you, send you, help you, resource you. If you're from another nation, you are so welcome here. You're from another nation, either um, culturally, or you're brought up somewhere else, or even ethnically, you've just got roots somewhere else. I just want you to say, please work with us, walk with us, talk with us, help us become a multicultural church. Help us to become a church that doesn't just reach out to the nations, but represents the nations that are in this city in the church. Please, I just want to just say we honour you, we love you, and we want to, we want to, we really want to grow with you um, into something even more multicultural than we currently are. And for those of you whose 
homeland is the UK, let me just say to you and exhort you, please, to be bold in taking the first step, building relationships with those who aren't from the UK. Um, it's it, you know, When there's language difficulties, it's not easy and cultural things, but you, we have the head start. We're on home turf, yeah? So please bite the bullet. Let's, let's walk through the open ground that's been made by the cross of Jesus. He's brought the walls down. Let's step over where the walls were and extend ourselves for his glory. Amen. Amen. Great. Over to you. As you can imagine, uh, work work with the poor um, and work with international stuff, especially kind of, you know, sending out the Riley, sending out Matt Med, sending out uh, Esther in the coming weeks. You know, all of this takes a financial toll. Um, it takes resources, but it also takes finances. Um, and so kind of we as elders um, are looking kind of actively looking how we can practically demonstrate our commitment to this um, through the way we steward what God's given us um, as a church. Um, so to give you some headlines, um, for the last financial year, 2010 to 2011, um, in the budget, we budgeted about 14-15% um, of our income was given away. Um, over, that, over that year, although the year's not quite finished yet, um, but it's looking more like 17.5%. So actually, we've increased our giving in terms of what we budgeted. I think it's probably the only category in the budget where we're happy to go over um, because I think it demonstrates something of where we are and our willingness to actually get behind this and support this, um, not just with words, not just with kind of um, our thoughts, but actually with our actions and the way we uh, steward it. So what does this mean going forward? Um, well, next year, uh, uh, we've done a budget. We've taken it to the trustees. We're... We, we've, we've agreed it amongst ourselves. Um, we're looking to give about 20% uh, of the income to the church away again. So that will be to international stuff. That will be direct work with the poor um, and things like that. So it's very interesting. Um, it's very exciting uh, what's going on. It's really, it's really kind of just kind of um, – it's a bit overwhelming to some, to some extent kind of to actually see it on paper and see the kind of figures that we're looking to invest in what God's doing amongst us. Um, so for obviously, so for us to move uh, to Haverstock School, obviously we take a, a massive financial um, cut there. So we're so it's effectively half the cost um, of of meeting in two congregations. Um, so what that means is uh, we we basically save a lot over the month. So we're looking to plow a lot of that into this food bank to get that up and running, um, and to get kind of a lot of networking going on to get it actually functioning and serving the community and serving the poor. Um, so that will take uh, quite quite a chunk out of that. Um, Steph is also um, stepping down to four days a week. This is something we've decided as a leadership team and amongst the trustees. Um, they've, they're, they're happy with it. Um, and so kind of basically Steph's going to be stepping down to four days a week. What that will allow him to do is it'll allow him to travel much more uh, freely uh, in terms of speaking engagements and kind of basically there's a, there's a demand on his time in terms of um, a calling outside of Revelation Church to bless the wider body. Um, and that's something that you've been living with and carrying, um, and we want to support him with it. And he feels that kind of to go down to four days a week uh, is, is, is good, is doable, um, and it's a bit of a faith step for him. Do you want to mention a bit about that? Yeah, we just felt, we've just felt like my ideal scenario would be to be completely self-sufficient from take, take receiving money from the church and to be able to continue serving the church but using finances from other means. And so that's where we want to get to. We're a heck of a long way from that. But we thought, well, look, why don't we take the first step and um, just drop a, drop a day a week, drop a day's wages a week um, and look, look to serve elsewhere. And hopefully th 
the, um, the, the pay from serving elsewhere um, will make up the difference so that what we don't want to do is as a church is become really, really top heavy with loads of money going towards staff. Mm. It's tricky because as you get bigger, you just need more and more to keep things going. You just, these are administrative costs. You just got to keep the thing working well, which takes people in, and there's only so far you can get with volunteers. So, but we're just trying to guard against that happening. So we recognize it has to happen, but still fighting it at the same time so that increasingly over the years, our budget can more and more, more and more of our money can be given away and not be, not be spent on staffing. So, yeah, so, you know, excited about it. The w um, so I took the step of faith, you know, in January, and there's been enough work so far. And, um, yeah, so it doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean you'll be seeing much less of me. I'll probably be away a few Sundays in a year, but a lot of it will be, you know, Saturday nights or um, Friday, Saturday or midweek or something like that. So, yeah, so that's, that's us. That's what we're going for, and hopefully it will, it will prove fruitful and we can step it up a bit as the years go on. I mean, if I was to repeat the question, with the funding stuff, so I guess saving some money and, and things like that, um, are we not looking to release these guys full-time? So at the moment, Richard's part-time, and Simon um, it, it doesn't work at all for the church, although he gives a lot of time to the church. Um, so I guess um, if, there, if we felt that that was the most pressing need, then we would do that. But we wouldn't do it for the sake of doing it. Because what you've got to realize is, is there's no such thing biblically as being called full-time. It doesn't exist. Paul would go somewhere and he would often build tents, wouldn't he? And then he would preach in the synagogue at, at the weekend. Um, at the another, another time, he, he did that. And then when two of his friends turned up, they got jobs to support him to preach full-time. Other times, he would take money from, from the church, and it's the, the, there's no such thing. So you're called by God, but you're not called to a particular employment full-time or not. So if we felt like that was what was needed, then, then, then yeah, we would happily do that. I think, I think what we're trying to do is, is be as radical as we can mm. in terms of making sure we don't just employ people because that's what you do. Do you know what I mean? Um, I mean, it probably looks like our next employable post will be for the food bank, someone to work on that. So that will be, that's the plan. I mean, I, I think a text we're kind of living with is, is out of Matthew 6, where you, you know, where it says that you can't serve two masters. Either you'll love one and hate the other, um, or either you'll be devoted to one and hate the other. You can't serve God and money. Um, and I think kind of we want to be, we want to be devoted to God. We want to love God and we want to be about what he's about. We want to be about and get behind what he's doing. Um, and we really feel that this is what he's doing. And so we're getting behind it, um, really. So let's do question and answers. Any Q&A? Adam. So are we looking? Are, are we looking to kind of um, save money in terms of gaining assets? Most notably, a house. Uh, so at a family meeting or so ago, we mentioned uh, the possibility of maybe buying a house as a church, uh, as an asset for, um, along with Steph and Davina, for them to live in. 
um, and things. Do you want to mention what's that? Yeah, so now? a joint mortgage can't be done. We've done all the research and no one wants to touch it. So what we are looking at now is whether the church justice buys a house outright, um, which obviously means we won't have a stake in it other than having the joy of living there, which is great. But um, So we think that's the second best thing. And obviously um, we're at a point now where our turnover as a charity over the years is credible enough to apply for a mortgage on a, mm. on a decent house in our part of London. So um, Richard and Adam, who works at Lloyd's TSB, they're, they're both looking into that now, whether the church can buy something that will be, um, we'll get a mortgage that will be 100% uh, well, that will be the church's mortgage and that over time the church will be, the house will become the church's, so it will be an asset. Yeah, that's definitely the plan. So our rent currently where we are, our contract finishes in June 2012, so we've got a year and a half left there. So ideal scenario will be to have the thing resolved by then. Either the church buys the house we are in and we stay there, but it becomes a church's house, or the church buys somewhere else by then. So that's a th that is the most realistic deadline to work towards now. Is that okay? Cool. Any other questions? Mukami? The church office will stay here. Yep. Um, although there is the possibility of the storage moving to Haverstock School as well, um, which is very exciting. <laughs> Yes, the prayer meeting will still be on a Tuesday morning. <laughs> Who went? Who went? How cool was it? Yeah. Was it was it cool? Yeah. We had a good time. We had a really good time. Yeah, so it will be. Yeah. Yeah. That remains the same. When we announced this thing at the family meeting about the prayer meeting and, and this thing changing times, at that point we really weren't through on the one service thing. Yeah. It wasn't like we did that as a stage but we knew what was coming next. We weren't through on it. We really weren't. We were at the stage of looking at this back-to-back -back thing, will that work, and we, were getting, we weren't getting anywhere. So please don't think we've messed her around. We, want, we, we felt the time was a good change, and the prayer meeting was a good change. Um, and we wanted to ease up Sundays somehow, um, and so we implemented what we could as far as we could see at that point, and the clarity on this stuff all came after that. Mm. So. Well, if there's no more questions, let's worship. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No. Well, I just want to say, lots of changes, right? But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah? So it's just great to love him a bit, isn't it? So the band's going to come up. Bread and wine's here. Now, um, I think it's quite, I, I think it is quite late, so we won't have ages. But let's just press into his presence, love him, and enjoy and celebrating his body broken for us and his blood shed for us. Shall we stand?